We are over in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Moving on through on this, I noticed as I, I like to some, sometimes I get a chance to look up and see uh, when it is that we've gone over different things in the past. I noticed, though, that this particular chapter we've only covered once so far in its entirety. We've gone into different parts of the verses, but only once have we covered it in entirety. And, and then we looked at the whole thing, so we didn't really go break it down in a whole lot. So we'll spend a little more time with it here this time through to look at some of the, the pieces that are involved with this. Last time, last couple of times, we were looking at the qualifications for leaders, uh, specific, specifically overseers and deacons. And so after he gives those qualifications for those particular uh, ministries in the church, we are going on here to chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says, in a latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Before we get into the... Uh, meanings of all the things that he's talking about here understand this part first because this can be a little deceiving to us the spirit expressly says that in latter times that is not the end times that does not use the wording that is used for the latter days it is latter times it is other words it is days after which paul wrote the letter by the time they're reading it may be the days that he's talking about <laughs> but any, even so we know that once uh, that would go on and he's basically saying you know, the gospel comes in, people caught hold of it, and they, he said basically after, a little while after that, people are going to start to fall away. And it's been that way ever since. People have gotten a hold of it and have fallen away. Now the Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in latter times, somewhat depart from the faith. So the Spirit of God came down and said, look, in a, latter, in a few days, in a few, t- a few uh, years, whatever it might be, there are going to be some who are going to depart from the faith. So he's telling them that. So the Spirit knows this. Now, is it the will of God that this would happen? No, it's never the will of God that anybody leaves. But he's telling you this is going to happen. People are going to to make these decisions. And, well, people make decisions. And they live with the results of those decisions. But that's what happens. So the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some. doesn't really put a number on it. It just says some. Some means more than one and less than all. So not everybody, but some are going to depart from the faith. The word there for the, for the faith is, has the article, and it means the faith. It doesn't mean faith. It means the faith, the thing that we're here for, the gospel. Some will depart from the faith, not the faith message, but the faith. I put in your outline that in order to depart from, you must have been on board. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't depart from anything you haven't been on board with. It, it just doesn't work that way. So for these folks to be said to be departing, they were at one time on board. They were at one time on board fully believing, pursuing God, going after the things of God. These are the people it speaks about. If you're going to depart from the faith, you had to at one time been hooked up with it. So these are the, we're not talking about people that were casually. Maybe they were in there, maybe they weren't. No, they were in because they departed from it. They never came to the full knowledge of the truth. Nope, that's not that. They departed from the faith. So the Spirit especially says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. I put in your outline that just because we know the truth 
Oh, I misspelled that one. Sorry about that. Just because we know the truth now doesn't mean it will always be that way. We must come to the realization that though I am on board, though I am seeing the light, and though I am going in the right direction now, it is not impossible that I could fall away. I've got to come to that realization. If I don't come to the realization that I could at one time fall away, then I won't be on guard against it. So I have to come to the realization that, hey, it may come sometime that I may depart from this thing, so I'm going to make sure that I don't. Because he's warning you. Some are going to depart from this faith. So make sure it's not you. <laughs> make sure you're not one of the ones that's in there. Um, just because we know the truth, and thank God we know the truth. Oh, I'll tell you what, we mean, we're excited about the truth. We're out here on a Wednesday night, rainy, cold <laughs> Wednesday night, and here we are out here learning more about the truth. Well, we know the truth, but it doesn't mean it will always be that way. We can depart from the faith. We can fall away. Just even in this church by itself, we, ha- we know people that have come in. We know people that have been in our numbers for uh, months, years. We know people that have been healed of miraculous things and wandered away. I, I shake my head at it all the time. I'm sure you do too. <laughs> but it happens. But we have, to be on, we have to be understanding that that could be the way we can go. So we be on guard against it. Doesn't mean it has to be. Doesn't mean it's going to be. Just means I'm on guard to make sure that don't happen. We are, we want to make sure of it. When you're driving in your car, no one expects to get into an accident. But you're on guard. You're on guard against other people driving into the wrong lane. You're on guard against your car staying in the right lane and doing the right things. <laughs> you stay on guard about it. You don't, um, you don't expect it. You're not looking for that to happen. But it doesn't happen because you're on guard. You're watching out for it. Making sure that your car stays in the right spot. You're making sure that the, you don't hit a nice patch or something like that. So I must understand that I can veer off. If I don't know that, I won't be out to defend against it. We're in the midst of playoff season. You know, and the playoffs are on and this is just, you know, football up a notch. <laughs> and so when the two teams come together, I mean, they, they know we lose, we go home. So they're really game planning and, do, and doing stuff. Well, when you come up against the enemy, the other team, <laughs> you, you got to know what they have and you got to defend against it. If they got a particularly good running back, then you have to defend against a particularly good running attack. If they have a quarterback who's mobile, they got a quarterback who can read defenses, you have to do something to come against it. You can't just go into the game, well, I know that they're good at that, we'll just hope that it doesn't work for them this time. You have to game plan in such a way as to account for the team's strengths and the team's weaknesses. And in the same way, we have to understand, all right, I am not weak there right now, but I understand the enemy could attack me there. So I'm going to be careful. I'm going to be watchful. I'm not going to let this kind of stuff happen. I'm going to defend against it. And he gives us some things to help us out with that too. Now, I put in your outline here, what are some of the pitfalls that make me prone to depart? What is it that causes some people to depart from the faith? And it's not hard to figure it out. You go through the rest of Scripture, you'll find out a whole lot of things. I put down some of the stuff here, and I won't say that this is an a, uh, exhaustive list, list. You could probably add some more things to it yourself. But what are some of the pitfalls? Well, f- first off, stop learning. People who have an attitude, of they, they stop learning. They feel like they have learned it all. Well, I already know that. If you get an attitude where you know it all and you're not going to learn anymore, you are a prime candidate to fall. 
Don't ever have that attitude that we, we stop learning. No, we always, always learn. Uh, I like what uh, Brother Hagin, when he was having a conversation with the Lord about, uh, I, I think it was one of those times that uh, he came into the hospital room and he was talking about some stuff and, and uh, he gave him some kind of a, a revelation that he didn't know and didn't realize it. He said, well, you're going to have to give me scripture about that because I don't, I've never read anything in the New Testament along, along those lines. So I don't know anything in the New Testament along those lines. And he says, there's a whole lot in that book you don't know about. <laughs> that was Brother Hagin. You know, he, he knew a whole lot more than most of us did. So we have to sometimes come to the conclusion that the Bible is a whole lot deeper and there's a whole lot more in it than we know. We can never really get to the Bible and approach it in such a way that, well, guess we've learned it all. Nothing more to be learned. We've got it all down. No, there's always something more to be, be learned. It's the knowledge of God that's in the Bible. How deep is that knowledge? So we have to have the attitude that I don't, I don't ever stop learning. I got to keep learning. There's people that I can learn from, but I must continually keep learning. If I stop learning, I'm, I am prone to be one of these ones who veers off. Uh, number two, stop listening. Don't listen to people. Turn everybody off. Everybody's wrong, except for you. You're the only one who's right. Uh, every time you listen to somebody, be critical about them. Be picking apart all the stuff that they did wrong and all the stuff they're saying that's not right. That's how you do it. You, you stop listening. Every time you hear somebody else, you know, some people, every time they hear somebody else preaching, they sit there and they, they tell all the wise why all the reasons why, well, I know better than that. Well, that's not right, and I know better. You're, you're prime for a fall. You're thinking not. You're thinking, boy, I'm, I really know this stuff. No, you're getting yourself ready for a fall. Don't get into that there. Don't stop learning. Don't stop listening. Uh, stop submitting. I'll tell you, this is the big one. I see this in a lot of folks who have gone off the fall. They don't submit to anyone else but themselves. They are their authority. And, and that's not a good place to be. There ought to be people in your life that can speak into your life. And even if you don't see it or agree with it, you will accept it. Go back into the football example again. If a person on the football team wants to grow, what kind of a response must they have to the coach? Whatever the coach says is right. If the coach says, I need to work on this, I don't sit there and argue with the coach. I simply say, okay. <laughs> I mean, so, there have to be some. Now, I'm not saying that everybody can speak that way in your life, but there ought to be some people that if they came up to you and they said, "Quit doing that. That's not right. That's not the, that's that's not the way to go." That you'd say, "Okay, I don't understand it," but uh, we've we've talked about it before. They're the people that are influences in your life. Everyone should have some people that can influence you. They're people that have sowed into you and sowed into you and sowed into you, so much so that you can trust them. That if they spoke something into your life, you can listen and say, you know what? If they say that in my life, I'm going to listen and, uh, and not, not do that. I was having this conversation with um, somebody I considered to be an influencer. And we were going over some of these things. And, um, and he, he was speaking some things to me. And I, I told him, I says, well, if you tell me something along those lines, I will, I will yield to it. I just told him that. If you tell me something like that, I will yield to it. And he goes, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. You need to check it out. I says, no. <laughs> if you tell me something like that, I will just yield to it. You are in that kind of a place in my life. 
And we had a little discussion about that. Well, should anybody have that particular place? He, he didn't quite agree with me <laughs> about that. I think it's because he was in that position in my life. And he didn't quite want to. But I know that other people had that position in his life. Because he had actually told us about it. Uh, people in his life that if they came over and they said something to him, he just listened. Okay, yep, we'll, we'll, we'll straighten that up. There ought to be some people. That, I'm not saying a whole lot of people. Doesn't there be scores of them? But there ought to be some people that if they came up to you, or you could go up to them and say, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? They could just simply say, no, that's not right, and you quit doing it. Just like a player, if they're going to get better, they, they yield to that coach. They yield to it. So one of the things you can do is stop submitting. Stop having people that you can submit to and uh, be your own authority. You will surely get off. Because this is one of the things the devil loves to try and do. It gets you isolated. Get you out there on your own. If he gets you out there on your own, you have no one to compare any new doctrine, any new teaching, any new revelation to. Therefore, it will always be right. And you will veer off and get off of the, what you're supposed to be doing. We are, we are not an island. There was somebody who was just, I was just listening to this week. Oh, I can't remember who it was. Um, they, were, they said something. They said, there's, there's two things you cannot do by yourself. One is family and one is church. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. You can't do either one by yourself. You can't do family by yourself. The only way you can do family is with other people. The only way you can do church is with other people. Can't do it that way. I thought that was pretty good. I like that one. So don't don't stop submitting. Uh, fourth one. They stop serving. Jesus says, "If you want to become the greatest in the kingdom of God, become the." servant of all but see a wrong doctrine will come in and will get people to say no if you want to be great let other people serve you and that's wrong don't stop serving always be in there being a servant mentality being a servant mode be ready to serve whomever god puts in your way don't look for people just to be serving you get in there and try and and, and be the servant yourself who can i serve who can i help what can i do in in these situations that'll keep your attitude right keep your attitude right you stay out of this area of falling off Here's the last one. Leave our foundation. Leave our foundation. It's going to get you off of the... The the Word of God tells us this. All Scripture is inspired by God. The foundation is that all Scripture is inspired by God. If we ever get off of that, and there are people who have done it, they have gotten off... Well, not all Scripture. Certain ones are sort of, you know questionable we don't necessarily need them they were for other people they're for other times stuff like that and we begin to section off different scriptures no all scripture is inspired by god and is profitable for reproof for correction for training in righteousness this is this is we we can't get off that i must stay on that all scripture as soon as i come into a life experience that doesn't line up with scripture that i understand I've got to judge that life experience as inadequate. <laughs> and I've got to go after the, uh, the, the Word of God. Well, Father God, I'm not understanding this experience in light of the Word. So, but the Word is right. I know the Word is right. I need to, to get more out of the Word of God. I have a, I put another translation there for you. Left it in your outline so you could see this. The New Century Version puts this verse this way. Now the Holy Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some people will stop believing the faith. Some people will stop believing the faith. They will follow spirits and lie and lie in teachings of demons. 
Well, they will stop believing. Don't ever get into a place where you stop believing. And the way that you get there is to do some of those things. So there's five things. Make sure you don't leave those out of your life. Keep guard about those things. He then goes on. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Well, if you're going to depart from the faith, that would make sense. That that's the kind of stuff that you go after. Isn't it, doesn't it amaze you, though, the people that are on board for the gospel of Jesus Christ knew the truth, would fall for this? Well, when I fall prey to false doctrine, it's not just that someone deceived me. I gave heed to it. There's something in you that you have to do. You have to give heed to it. Just because people come along and, and shout false doctrine and false teaching doesn't mean it's going to have any effect on you at all. You have to give heed to it. Now, the word here for, for give heed, we're going to get into that. Um, I put this in there too. I didn't fill that in for you. I don't go. In other words, I don't leave. I don't get off the faith until I give. I don't go until I give. I got to give heed to it you don't give heed you don't go so basically don't give heed to false doctrine deceiving spirits doctrines of demons don't give heed to it that sounds easy that sounds real real easy but you know sometimes we're just not sure we get a new doctrine we get a new teaching it seems like it lines up it seems like it's good we just aren't sure so how do we uh guard against that give heed the Greek word here means to be attentive, give heed to, follow, be devoted to, be concerned about. Be attentive, give heed to, follow, be devoted to, be concerned about. The, I put in here that the opposite of this word would be to disobey. You'll see that a lot of times in the Word of God. In the, I'm talking about in the Greek, the opposite of this word in the Greek would be to disobey. Not necessarily in English, but in the Greek, the opposite of this word would be to disobey. If I disobey, I am not giving heed to it, is the way that it, its wording looks at this. So that kind of puts you in the right frame of mind. If I'm not obeying, I am not giving heed. Does that make more sense to you? Well, to pay attention or to give heed to the gospel would be to listen to its message with the result that you adopt a new lifestyle. That's how you can tell. How can you tell if you are giving heed to the gospel? If it's changing you. If it's causing you to live a new lifestyle. If you can live the old lifestyle just fine, it's not, you're not giving heed to it. There, there's, there's no giving heed to that. If I have old, old sins and the Word of God comes in and shows me, don't do these sort of things, no, I'm going to do them anyway, I am not giving heed. Thereby, I am disobeying. If you walk in that way, you will fall off. So it's basically saying this, if you continue in a way that is disobedient to the word of God that you know, you may and very likely will eventually fall off and fall away. That's how important disobedience is. That's how important it is to get it out of your life. Do not disobey the word that you know. If you disobey the word that you know, you will more likely disembark from the faith that you are on. But then he goes on here. Now the Spirit expressly says 
that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They're giving heed. They're giving attention. They're taking time. They're putting their attention. They're hearing doctrines of demons. They're not picking them up as doctrines of demons. And they're giving their attention to it. They're beginning to order their behavior after these types of doctrines. When we do that, it will cause you to go after a path that will get you to leave the gospel that you know. Is what he's saying. Now, deceiving spirits. It's not that spirits come down and start teaching stuff. Deceiving spirits speak through people. And so people have come down and they are speaking through people. If, if they're speaking through people, more than likely, most of the people that they're speaking through are men and women of faith. Men and women, maybe even ministers. But people that are of faith, people that are in the church. <clears throat> they're deceiving spirits. They're, they're not showing who they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be deceiving. They would be up front. But they're not up front spirits. They're deceiving spirits. They're spirits that, all right, we know that we're the false thing here, but we need to pitch this in such a way that it comes across as right. Otherwise, they won't buy into it. And so the doctrine is carefully crafted, carefully put out. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of things that go on in the church today that you just want to shake your head and laugh at. I think some of these doctrines of demons just have a whole lot to do in finances. You just listen to some of them. I heard, um, I didn't hear the people who taught it. I just heard uh, Brother Tony Cook got up there and he rebuked it right off the bat. (laughs) He just came on out. You saw it on Facebook. See, if you're not on Facebook, you don't get to see all this stuff. But he came out on Facebook and he just put this up there. He says, there is no magic, uh, no um, uh, godly purpose that giving on 12-12-2012 will have any effect upon your, your harvest. <laughs> so obviously, somebody was out there saying that on 12-12-12, if you give probably $1,200, because no one wants $12, <laughs> right? <laughs> no one wants that. And uh, <laughs> they, they, that's just, that wouldn't be be worthwhile so it's probably one thousand two hundred or twelve thousand dollars you know whatever it is if you give this much on 12 12 of 12 then this is going to happen to you i was listening to one oh, if i told you his name you'd probably know it i sat there and listened to it i said i told my wife i said i remember this guy i think a while he was good because <laughs> i actually think one of his books we actually brought in here at church years ago when we, we did the book of the month club i think actually we had one of his books going through there and I read it, not a lot of us read it, we enjoyed the book. But he's out there talking about this thing, and he was so far off on offerings, it's, I don't know how people around him don't slap him. I, just, I couldn't figure it out. We just sat there, we watched it for about five minutes, just to, really? Is he that far off now? Yeah, sure enough, he was. He was completely wrapped up in himself and his doctrine, and that you needed to give it to him, because if you didn't give so much, he, he was looking for a no, once again, a, a thousand people to give a thousand dollars. And uh, if you gave it, I know that you might not be able to afford it, but if you have a credit card somewhere, then you can put that thing on there. <laughs> because if you do that in one year's time, you're going to see this and this happen. Oh, man. This is wrong. And, and people shouldn't follow up. Shouldn't not, they shouldn't fall after it. But they've listened to doctrines of demons because they don't know the truth well enough. 
Is there any place in the Word of God that talks about giving a certain amount of money to a certain minister on a certain day or because of a certain word and that this kind of result's going to... No, it's not there. Don't fall into it. Don't go into that sort of thing. It's just... Uh, it's not going to be good. When we were um, going down to Rainbow one time, you know, we... Uh, we get into we got to know some of the people who are more in line with what happens with the different people over there. And uh, we told you this story before when before Brother Hagen released that book, The Midas Touch. He called in a number of well-known Rama graduates who had big ministries, lots of books, lots of people who followed after them. And he warned them before he said, "This book is going out. And I want you to tell you this is what's in it." And he warned them. He said, some of you folks have left the area of, of, um, of, of teaching in the Word of God and have gotten into covetousness. And he, Brother Hagen called them into his office and had that for them. I don't know how you don't get into a place you just say, yes, sir, and, and, and fix it. But not only did they not do that, they cut off ties with Rema. And uh, that had a, you know, a, an effect upon both parties <laughs> when they did that. But that's um, that's just people that have gotten off, and so then they, you know they're not listening to anybody anymore. They're not really under anybody anymore. That's uh, they're getting in the wrong kind of teaching. They're getting into teaching about finances that brought them prosperity, and they weren't about to to leave it, go into another direction. You got to be careful about some of those things. Some of the, some of those folks we had some of their books in here. I quietly just removed them. I didn't tell anything about who it was, and they, as far as you all know, we just sold out of their books. And we just didn't bring any more in. Didn't need to bring up their names. Didn't need to talk about who it was. But once I find out they were in the meeting and they didn't want to listen, we don't need their books. And we just got rid of them all. Didn't sell them at a lower cost. <laughs> just, just took them out. We just, uh, that's just, uh, that's, that's not a good thing to do. Doctrines or deceiving spirits. These are spirits that are going to move upon people for the purpose of promoting a wrong doctrine. If you don't know the Word of God, you can fall for it. You've got to know the Word of God. If you don't have people in your life who can speak to you and speak corrective measures to you, you know, it's, it's not going to help. I was, I was thinking about this on my, I was on my way to, um, I had to make a couple of stops on my way down to church today. So I went out my development via the back way because of the way I had, a, had it going out. And as I was going around, there was a guy he had, this, he had this truck. It's as big as mine. It's just long. And so, you know, when you have a long truck like that, you, it, you, you, the way that you back out and go forward, it may take a little bit more time than it would normally. So um, I saw him approaching. And because there was a whole lot of other things in the street, I realized if I kept going up, he's not going to be able to do his back up and come on out and move in the direction that he wants to do, go. So I stayed a good distance back from him and just gave him all the room that he needed. And just kind of sat there. Well, it took him a little while to get through and do that. And I heard this inside. He says, you know, why don't you flash your lights at him or something? He needs to get moving. <laughs> well, I didn't listen to it. It just came to me. I said, that's ridiculous. I'm not in that big a hurry. I'm just fine. He's moving along. He'll, do, he'll go along. And so uh, I just sat there and patiently just waited for him. He, he made his way on around. And as he was coming up around me on the, the side, he rolled down his window and he stuck his hand out. So I rolled down my window, pushed the button anyway, <laughs> just pushed the button and, uh, and, and he, uh, he flagged to me and he goes, your, your headlights out. I said, 
I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> and I rolled up my window, and he rolled up his window, and we went on. Now, if I had reacted in an impatient way and flashed my lights at him, which apparently one of them was out, <laughs> do you think he would have been as, as inclined to have given me that bit of a correction? Would I have been inclined that if he rolled down his window, would I have been inclined to have rolled down mine to listen to him? See, that would have set off a whole other chain of, <laughs> of responses. And sometimes we've got to just remember that, uh, no, be, be yielding, be patient, and listen, because good things may come. Deceiving spirits, listen to the Word of God. Listen to let other people speak to you. They can speak corrective things to you that you may not even know about, like your headlights are. All the little lights and things and dings and stuff that go off in my, it does not tell me apparently the headlights out. <laughs> so, hmm. I kind of was, my probe told me when lights were out. I had that a long time ago. Man, that was a long time ago I had that car. And, uh, and this one doesn't apparently tell you that sort of stuff. So, so deceiving spirits are going to speak through people and doctrines of demons. These are teachings whose origins are with Satan's kingdom. I want you to think about this for a minute. They are doctrines of demons. If they originate in Satan's kingdom, whose kingdom do they promote? There are no way are they going to promote God's kingdom. In no way are they going to promote God's character. But their doctrines, they are accepted by church people as being godlike, wordlike. But they do not promote the kingdom of God. They don't promote his character or the character that he wants in us. But they are accepted as such. Teachings that are, whose origins are with Satan's kingdom. So they have a little powwow and they get together and they come up with a doctrine. Now we told you before, God does not have any new ideas. Doesn't need any. God knows everything. He does not need any new ideas. Doesn't come up with any new doctrines. Doesn't get any new revelations. He knows it all. It's hard for us to understand that, but he just knows it all. But Satan's not like that. He comes up with ideas. Oh, I'll bet you if we do this, <laughs> they'll buy it. So they come up with doctrines. They have a little powwow. They sit on around. You know, they got certain demons that are there to cook up doctrines. And they cook up some doctrines and they, this, this one will work. And so then they come on out and they bring that. And they find some willing people that are going to accept the deceiving spirits. And they come in there and they preach the doctrines. And they teach these things. Doctrines of demons. So now the Spirit expressly says, that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So some are going to depart from the faith because they give attention, they let their focus be brought upon these deceiving spirits and these doctrines of demons. And because they then give attention to these things and they focus on these things, this is what's going to steer them in the wrong direction, pull them off. He then goes on speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So lies and hypocrisy, this is speaking two opposite truths without acknowledging the falseness of the first. I added that part of it in just to give you the idea. There are times that people can speak two opposite truths and not be a, a hypocrite. The way that you would speak two opposite truths is if you first off recant the first. It is impossible to not be in hypocrisy if you do not recant the first truth 
before speaking the second. Can't do it. I give you my own personal example. My best example of this is, is uh, end times. I was a firm believer that there was no rapture. And that the uh, church is going to be raptured after the tribulation. Firm believer in it. Now, I came to uh, another understanding and I teach differently now. I can, it's okay to change your mind on some stuff. It's okay to, to get higher revelation. But you have to first off come out and say, I was wrong believing that. If I do not acknowledge that the first truth was wrong, I do not have the right to promote the second truth without me being a hypocrite. If people go out and they say that Jesus Christ is not the healer and then go into another group and say Jesus Christ is the healer, that's a hypocrite. Unless you first go out and say, I used to think that Jesus was not the healer, but I found out that was wrong. And now I know that Jesus is the healer. See, we've got to recant the first before we can move into the second. As long as I do that, I'm not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is one who tries to do both. You, you can't do both. That's not the way that you can go about it. Politicians are fantastic at this. I saw that one that was up on there because uh, the president right now is going out there talking about it's irresponsible not to pass the debt ceiling. But in 2006, he said it was irresponsible for President Bush to want the debt ceiling raised. <laughs> Now, that's fine. If he believed that in 2006 that it was irresponsible and doesn't believe that anymore, that's fine. But you have to first recant why that was wrong. If you don't acknowledge, I said that, I was wrong, this is why, now I believe this. I'm perfectly fine, even if I don't agree with him. I'm perfectly fine with that, with anybody. But if you want to just deny that that happened or not deal with the fact that I said that and just move on to this, all right, no, that's a hypocrite. You don't need that. Politicians are very good at this. They, they, they love hypocrisy. Nancy Pelosi is one of the worst hypocrites I've seen because it depends on who's president. And it, it depends on if, one, if it's a Republican that's president, she's all against whatever it is that they do. And if it's a Democrat who does exactly the same thing as the Republican did, she's all for it. That's a hypocrite. That's only dependent upon who's in office and what party they're a part of. That means you don't stand for a principle. Stand for a principle, whether the party or whatever it is. But this is what it's talking about. Hypocrisy. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. This is how you can tell them. Because the Spirit of God, whether you are a politician, whether you are a preacher, whether you are a believer, whether you are a worker, and whatever, it does not matter what it is. He will not inspire you to say one thing here and another thing here. Here will not inspire you to do that. That is not our God. That is not how he does things. A truth with God is always the truth. My understanding of that truth may change. I leave room for that. But I always got to keep in mind with where I came from before. All right. Well, if that's the truth now, what happened to this truth over here? And we got to come in the grips with that. Lies in hypocrisy. This is what they do. This is one. He does not give too many telltale signs, but this is one of them. For those that are into deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, they speak lies in hypocrisy. That is a telltale sign. That's one reason why when politicians embark in this, I will always point it out to you. Because what is the source of these kind of lies in hypocrisy? It's real. It's not God. They're not, I'm not saying that they're, they're necessarily demonic people or demon-possessed people or anything like that, but they're giving in to the wrong thing. 
And that's not, they're thinking that I can be this way here and this way here. No. You need to be the same, whether people like you or whether they don't like you. Be the same, both places. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. I've seen this in, in, in preachers. They're one way when they're up there preaching and doing stuff, and then they get down among the people, and they're nasty, and they're rude, and there's no servant with them at all. No. That's, that's, that's wrong. Don't be up there speaking about how everybody should be walking in love, and you get down there and walk in the flesh. <laughs> that's not right. That's speaking lies in hypocrisy. Because in order to speak them, you don't believe them to be true. If you did, wouldn't you do them? That's why it's speaking lies and hypocrisy. If you firmly believe that the truth that you are speaking is going to be beneficial, why wouldn't you do it when you're out there amongst the people? You should. It doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect. I like what Bob, my, my pastor, Pastor Bob Hanyan, said about it when one time a, a church member caught him speeding. <laughs> He's driving on down the road and he's speeding on down. And a church member saw him that. And so he's, he's, uh, the person confronted him in church and said, I saw you speeding the other day. How can you teach about this, that, and the other thing and be out there speeding? And he, I love his response. He said, my dear, he says, I am anointed to preach the word, not to keep it. <laughs> I, I mean, that's good. He, he didn't acknowledge. He acknowledged, look, I can miss it. <laughs> I can veer off and I can do stuff I'm not supposed to do. Just to understand there's no anointing to keep the word. There is an anointing to preach it. And so that's, that's his room. Look, I can, I can mess up. I can fail. I can do stuff that I shouldn't have done. Dear Lord, I've spent many times. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, if, if going over the speed limit would disqualify us, how many of us are disqualified? <laughs> but I tell you, what, I love that statement that he said. It was years ago he said that, but I remember him saying it. I am anointed to preach the word, not to keep it. And uh, that's it. There's, on, there's an anointing that comes on people to, to teach or to preach, or there's an anointing that comes to them for certain ministries, but you don't get anointed to keep it. <laughs> You've you got to do it and uh, press through the flesh just like everybody else does. Lies in hypocrisy. That will be a giveaway. If you see one person saying two different things and they will not deal with what they had said before, we have a hypocrite. We have a problem. We don't have, now sometimes you just don't remember. Sometimes you may say something. Uh, did I say that before? You may just not remember. That's fine. Uh, I understand people can make mistakes on that. I'm not talking about people who do those kind of things. I'm talking about people that you can say, look, here's the recording. This is what you said. Here's the press release. This is what was said. What about this with what you're saying now? Well, I didn't say that. Nah, that's, that's wrong. That's lies and hypocrisy. Speaking two opposite truths without acknowledging the falseness of the first. Well, thank God we can all change our minds. You know, that every time we go through elections, you got one or two candidates. They're always being branded as flip-floppers. I'm fine with people flip-flopping as long as they give the reasons why they flip-flopped and why they went over. I mean, if you're following something that's not right, flip. <laughs> I mean, get off of it. However, whichever way, but talk about how it is that you came to the knowledge of whatever truth you came to and why you left it. I'll be fine with that. But it's when we try and go on and we, well, no, that didn't happen. That's, uh, that's showing me a falseness and it's showing us something that we shouldn't uh, necessarily take. <clears throat> Giving heed, whoops, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared 
with a hot iron. Wow. Now, we have a conscience on the inside. Your conscience is not the Spirit of God. You have a conscience that God gave you. We've uh, spent some time on this before. Your conscience is what is to remind you and to convict you of sin. But you can train your conscience up on wrong things, and you can sear it. You can do the the wrong things. You know, the best example of that was uh, World War II, folks in in Russia and in Germany, and the abuses they did to people piling them up in the rooms and then gassing them. And I know uh, in, the, in, in Germany, it was, what was it, 6 million Jews that they killed? I'm not sure why it's not made more known, but Russia uh, killed more. Uh, Stalin and Lenin, they, they slaughtered more than Hitler did. For some reason, it's not, it's not brought out to, to be as much. But, um, oh, it was, it was terrible. I mean, how do you do that? How do you take people and abuse them the way that they did? And, and just... I don't know how you do that. But they did. It went on. Now, of course, there are people out there that want to try and say the Holocaust didn't exist and that just didn't go on. And Well, we know that it did. And um, our brother Rick Renner would tell us about some of the places they would go out in Siberia. And he says uh, because of the ground was, it was so cold, they didn't bury people really deep. It was too hard to get down there. And so uh, some places that you would walk out there in Siberia, they had slaughtered so many people and the graves were so shallow that they buried them in. You can actually walk by and you can see uh, bones and such protruding from the ground. But there's a lot of uh, land out in Siberia they don't really use. That's where they put a lot of the people out there because useless land. Just let them hang out there until they die. That's what they did. Having their own conscience seared to the point that we can do things as people to each other. That is just uncanny. How can people do that to each other? How is it that we can look upon another human being as less than a human? As just some kind of object that we can just beat and torture and kill and for no reason at all. Just because we don't like them. That's having a conscience that is seared. But these are folks that have their conscience seared so much that they can steer you down a road that they know will be destruction. They can steer you down a road that they know will take their money from them. They can steer you down a road that's not going to lead to any benefit in your Christian walk simply because somehow they get some benefit out of it and feel perfectly fine. That's a seared conscience. And you can do that with your own conscience. Not that you would, but you could. So I put in your outline here, what are the signs of a seared conscience? Well, first off, you have the testimony of the Holy Spirit. If you are listening to someone and they have a seared conscience. If they are caught up in hypocrisy, you have the Spirit of God that will testify to your spirit that's wrong. How many times have you ever been in a, in a meeting, in a place, watching something on TV, and some uh, person was teaching, and down on the inside of your spirit, you don't know the, the word, but down on the inside of your spirit, it was going, that's wrong. That's not right. That's wrong. That's the Holy Spirit testifying. And he's a good testimony to have. Listen to the Holy Spirit. But how many times have you also been in a meeting and somebody's teaching you something, you didn't know it, never heard of it before? But down the inside, you got a testimony that says, uh huh. Yep, that's right. And the Holy Spirit's testifying. That's, that's right. That he'll bear witness of himself. That's me. That's me speaking through him. That's me speaking through her. <clears throat> and you listen. So the testimony of the Holy Spirit. 
that'll be a sign of a person who has a seared conscience. Uh, you can sometimes just meet people and the Holy Spirit is saying, this is bad, <clears throat> bad, bad, bad person right here. He just got a witness. He's just telling you about that sort of thing. Now, it doesn't mean you go out there and you start hollering stuff. He's telling that to you. He's telling that to you for you to be careful. Watch out. This is the person who's not taking, taking you in the right way down for the, the gospel path. You be careful about that sort of thing. And then you're on guard. Haven't, haven't you ever had that? Down in your spirit, it kind of testifies. Doesn't it put you on your guard? Right, something's not right here. What is it? And you listen. You'll find out. Well, the secondly, there's a testimony of contrary actions. If a person has actions, I'm not talking about they slip up. We're not talking about that. We all can slip up. And if you slip up, you oh boy, I messed up. Oh, I sure did. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having actions that are contrary to what we are teaching the Word of God says we should do. And comfortable with it. Just fine with it. They're okay. Remember a few weeks ago on Sunday morning, I was talking about some guest speakers we had out. And because of the way they operated with the the, uh, people at the restaurant, we didn't bring them back. Because that is a testimony of contrary actions. You're teaching one thing, but you're acting. And they were completely comfortable. Both of them were completely comfortable. Husband and wife. Completely comfortable with how they were treating these people. That's contrary actions. That's a testimony to me. That to me tells me, all right, we got something wrong here. Don't know what it is. It's not my responsibility to correct you. You're under somebody else's thing. We'll see you. If there was somebody that, you know, you're supposed to correct, you're under under your, uh, they need your help or you're under them somehow, help them out. But if not, there's not too much that you can do there. Uh, they just won't receive it. But the test, there's a testimony of contrary actions. Watch for it. If they have actions that are different from what they teach, you know, Al Gore is one of those. Out there talking about the evils of global warming and you go to his house and he's got this huge house and in his office he's got three three or four big screen TVs and computer monitors and the heat's <laughs> cranked up and the big car out there and flying from here. No. See, that's contrary actions to the... Now, there are some people who got in the global warming thing and they were taking the bus everywhere and they were... <laughs> all right, they're deceived, but at least they're, they're consistent. <laughs> right. I, I'm more okay with that. <laughs> You fell into deception, but at least you're consistent. You lined up your actions with it. But these folks who want to go out there and make their living off of this and then not change their actions. No, that's, that's not right. There's something wrong with that. Testimony of contrary actions. If they really believe that what they're teaching is right, then their actions should line up with it. If not, there's a problem. I don't necessarily need to figure out what the problem is. I just need to know there's, they're not a person I'm going to receive from. Number three. Reaction to correction. How do they react when they are corrected? Now, you may not always be the one giving the correction. That's fine. But if somebody else comes along and corrects them, what is their response to the thing? What is it that they do? Remember, there was a minister. I forgot his name. We brought his book in. He did this great teaching book on prayer to take your city. He was out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. and He fell into a sexual sin. I can't think of his name. Um, but when he fell into it, he went before the board that he was under, the, the group of, of folks that he was under, and they said, all right, you're going to get out of ministry for whatever period of time. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're gonna, and he did it. 
He had a big church. He gave the church over to, to somebody else. And he did exactly what they said to do. Now, see, I, I'm, I have respect for that. All right, you fell into sin. But look at what you did. His reaction to correction was important to me. I'm not in a place where I, he wasn't a, an influence in my life. He wasn't a big teacher in my life. But for some people, he was. And uh, if I talked to some people and they had a problem with that, I said, look how he responded. He responded in a good way. God's going to correct him. God's going to take care of him. He's going to get back in the ministry and he's going to cause all kinds of problems for the devil. But we saw other people who um, responded in a way. I think, um, well, one, one, if I said his name, you'd, you'd all know it. And as soon as the uh, decision came down, all right, you fell into sin, so we're going to remove you from ministry. No, I'm not going to do that. I'll go get underneath this group over here. <laughs> he just moved his whole ministry underneath another group because he didn't want to give it up. And that group said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take you. <laughs> and uh, that's, see, that there's a reaction to correction. If you are of the wrong spirit, you have the wrong reaction when correction comes. And that's a telltale sign. Just, you, you don't always have to be the one administering the correction. But somewhere along the way, someone's going to try and correct that person. How do they respond? What do they do? And that will, that will tell you. It goes on in verse 3 saying, Forbidding to marry. <clears throat> Let's read it in context. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry. So their conscience is seared. So they're going to forbid to marry, but they probably married themselves. And commanding to abstain from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth, but they probably eat those foods. They're just like the Pharisees did. Pharisees said, oh, you can only walk so far. But in order for them to, to bypass that, they had rules set up so they could walk further. And uh, yeah, we don't need to know all the reasons why they, how they did it. <clears throat> but this is what they do. Forbidding to marry. Is that, is that a uh, godly thing at all? God instituted marriage. If you decide that you're not going to marry, that's fine. That's okay. If God has, that's, that's okay. But for people to come out and say, no, no one else can get married. That's wrong. That's sin. No, that's wrong. That's not what we're supposed to do. Commending to abstain from certain foods. All right, everybody. Beef is bad. No one should eat beef. You know, if I ever got up here as your pastor and said, all right, we will no longer eat vegetables as a church. If I get up there and said that, then uh, I would be missing it, wouldn't I? <laughs> that would be a wrong thing. We, we shouldn't do that. To abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. <clears throat> I put it this way. Measuring inward goodness by legislating outward actions. When people try and legislate or measure inward goodness... By legislating outward actions, you are in trouble. That is a telltale sign. God grows people from the inside out. The enemy does it from the outside in. That's a doctrine of devils. The doctrine of God is change the inside will change the actions. The doctrines, that's the doctrine of God. The doctrine of devils is We'll change the actions and tell them we're going to change the, the kind of person that they are. It doesn't happen that way. God will change you first. He first off makes you the righteousness of God in Christ so that you can produce righteousness. The devil says, no, you need to get into works, acts of righteousness, works in order for you to be saved. 
That's the wrong way to go. That's the doctrine of devils. Don't, don't go that way. Measuring inward goodness by legislating outward actions. These are four things that will help you discern the people that have gotten into a place where their conscience is seared, <clears throat> where they're speaking lies and hypocrisy, where they are either deceiving spirits or have gotten into doctrines of demons. These are some things that will help you out in identifying them. And when you identify them, you don't need to go preaching from the, the rooftops about, you know, so-and-so is evil. You don't need to do that. But you can ob- observe it for yourself. That's not a person that I'm going to uh, listen to. It's not a person that's going to be able to sow into me in this way. Well, I put in your uh, end here, what things command your attention? What kind of teachings are the ones that command your attention? Something you have to answer for yourself. But what change, what changes has that attention brought to your life? If you put attention to certain things, what are the things that are drawing your attention? And you put attention to those things, what changes have come about in your life because of it? Ought to be some good ones. Ought to be some stabilizing ones. Ought to be some things that, that keep us going in the right direction. Because that's the, that's the goal. That's the place that we want to be. So Paul is giving Timothy here some things to tell when people have gotten off. There are going to be some ministers, some people who teach, some people who lead, and they can get off. But here are the signs. You can tell. You see the signs. Don't let them have that kind of influence in your life. But again, if you see the opposite, glory to God, we can let those folks have some influence in our life. You know, I never had Brother Hagen call me into his office. But a brother Hagen never called me in his office when he was down here on earth. And he said, Steve, you're doing this. Quit it. Guess what I would do? I'd quit it. <laughs> I wouldn't ask for an explanation. I would say, well, tell me why I shouldn't be. No. <laughs> there's, there's some people that they just come into my life and they say, Steve, you need to quit that. Yes, sir. I will quit it. But uh, that's not, not everybody has that, uh, that ability. But certain ones have got that, uh, that place in there because of, uh, because of, because of that. And we need, to, we need to make sure that we have those, those influencers. We need to make sure that we have those people that are, that are there for it. I'm coming up into a, a situation myself where um, <clears throat> I have, uh, for, for how many years have we been, been here at the church? 20-some-odd years. And we have a little form on the Rama thing, and every year I fill that out, I have to fill out an answer to it. And they said, regardless of your position... Whom do you consider to be your pastor? And they want an answer. Now, I've talked with Brother Doug about this before, and he says, oh, it's not a big deal. We just you know it's on there. I said, well, it's on there. It's a big deal to me. I, I take it as a serious question. Who is your pastor? For 22 years, 23 years, whatever it is, I have put down the same answer. Pastor Bob Yenya. He's been my pastor. But next year, he's coming up and retiring. Well, I guess if he retires, he can't be my pastor anymore. I can't write that on the form. Well, his son's taking over the church. Well, his son and I don't have the same relationship. And he does not have the ability to speak into my life. If right now, Pastor Bob called me into his... I've had a few conversations with him. But if he called me in and said, Steve, listen to some of your things online, and you're teaching some wrong stuff, quit it. Yes, sir, would be my response. That's all he had to tell me. But see, his son couldn't call me up and sell that to me. (laughs) So I I have to think about this. I already filled it out for this year. And I put on there, Pastor Bob Anya. <laughs> but next year, I won't be able to fill that out. And so um, 
I wrote a particular minister who has never been my pastor, never been in a position to be my pastor. So I wrote him a letter. And I said, uh, I, uh, I'm getting to a place, and he, he knows Pastor Bob. I said, I guess you know Pastor Bob is retiring. I'm getting to a place where I need to replace him. I've got to put this thing on the form. So I said, I want you to consider if I could put you on that form instead. So I didn't hear anything from, from about a month and a half. And got a, got a little letter, not from him, but from somebody who said we sat down, we talked about it, and, and um, they are considering it. I said, well, we got time. And then it's not an urgency. We're not an emergency. But I have to come. I have a backup plan. <laughs> because I have somebody who was a pastor of mine before Pastor Bob. <clears throat> and he's still a pastor. So I have that backup plan. But see, I don't line up with. If he called me into his office and he said, Steve, you need to stop doing this, I would, my first response would be, where are you coming from? That would be my first response. Because I know we are lined up on a lot of things, but we are not lined up completely. And there are some areas that he is often, not off, I don't mean like he's off in the bed. He just has, he does certain things that I as a pastor of a Raymond church cannot follow. So if I put that person in there, it would be a thing that, all right, well, I'm submitted, but. <laughs> and see, I don't like that. The person I put the request in is a person that if he ever came to me and he said, Steve, quit it. Yes, sir. I could do that without a problem. So I have to, I have to find that replacement by next year. <laughs> I'm sure Brother Doug doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. Maybe if they don't care, I can just keep fudging it on the... <laughs> I can just keep filling it on the, on the form, just keep putting it down in there. That if they don't really read it or pay any attention to it, maybe just get on by. <laughs> <laughs> I retire the day I go home to see the Lord. <laughs> and just so you know, I'm not planning on staying here until 80. <laughs> yeah, what was it, Corey put that thing on, the, on there? He said, where do you see yourself in five years? I said, maybe heaven. <laughs> I'm kind of looking for that. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Not that I would die before then, just thinking the Lord might come is my, my thought. <clears throat> Yeah, we'll see, we'll see where we go with that. But, you know, there need to be people in our lives that we can, we can have that can speak into us. And do we see that, all right, you have more knowledge and you are ahead. And when you speak something, it carries weight. If all the time, every time somebody comes and speaks something, I have to judge it to the point that, well, I'm not sure. I've got to let that put that by. No, you've got to have that place. There has to be that submission. There are, Timothy was submitted to Paul. If Paul said, Timothy, quit it, Paul, what would Timothy do? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Quit it. <laughs> no question. Nope. All right. We're going to stop doing that one. <laughs> That's just how it was. Now, if Peter told Paul, quit it, what would Paul do? <laughs> Where are you coming from, Peter? <laughs> Peter, I like you. I like you, Peter. Come on, we can sit down. We can talk about where are you coming from with this. See, that's not that relationship. Paul was very clear. I'm submitted to Antioch. He was submitted to Antioch. He made it very clear. I am not submitted to the church at Jerusalem. Basically, he didn't say all this, but they rejected me. <laughs> I, these guys accepted me. They nurtured me up. They're the ones that I'm under. And, uh, and he was under them. If they spoke something, apparently the people who sent Paul out, if they said something to Paul, Paul quit it. <clears throat> I have to assume that Paul would have quit it. But uh, they didn't do that, as far as I know. Um, 
But there needs to be some people in our lives that we can have that uh, they can do that. Uh, I was listening to, to uh, Brother John Maxwell one time, and he has a list. I don't know if you're all aware of this. Brother John Maxwell has a list of 10 people. And these 10 people, and he's, uh, it's changed. Uh, once in a while, one drops off, and when one drops off, he says he puts another one on. He's actually, in this particular instance, he was talking about one person that he had added into the list. It was not in the original 10, but as one person dropped off, he put this one in. And he said, these 10 people, if they ask me to do anything, I will do it. I haven't really thought of, of, of 10 people now, but he has a list of 10 people. That these are people that he is, he, he's kind of singled out. These are the ones that I am most responsible to get going. And he said, if they ask me to do anything, I will do it. And one time he said, this one person said, well, can you come down here and do the, this conference for me? Well, what did he say? <clears throat> they ask anything, I will do it. I will do it. <laughs> he said, and he went on down and he did that, uh, that thing for him. And I know Brother John. He's got some people in his life that can speak into him and they would, uh, and he would, uh, he would respond. He has people like that. I know I can tell you some of them because he's, I've heard it from him. Uh, once he considers to be his mentors and the way he speaks to them, if they came to him and they said, John, you're getting off on this thing. John would listen. And uh, John and I, we're not in the same camp. We're in the different camps. We, we, we view the word of God differently, but thank God we both serve the same God. And we both serve him with all of our heart. I love uh, John Maxwell. I love his heart on things. I, I, I like his teachings on certain aspects of, of Christian life. I don't like his teachings on all aspects of Christian life. He's not a guy that I go after for... I've heard him on Bible teaching. I don't go after Brother John on Bible teaching. I got other people I go after for Bible teaching. He's not one of them. But I go after him for leadership. I go after him for personal growth. I go after him for... He, he just is amazing. I really love some of his stories. Uh, on that but have some people that can speak into your life and always be gleaning from them make sure you're always getting something from them i've told you before i had five people that were influenced in my life one fell off <clears throat> one went in a direction i will not follow uh, and and one died <clears throat> brother hagan he's 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 gone and gone but um i've always made sure I've, that i'm always listening to one of those people every week. I will always hear something from, so they can always speak into my life every week because they are the people that can speak into my life the most. Have some of those people in your life. Listen to them. Stay always submitted to them and you'll stay out of these areas that uh, we're talking about here and you will not be one of those. That's our goal. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us that we would never get to a place where people would steer us in the wrong direction and we would give heed to the wrong things. Our goal is to stay true, to stay on board, to stay part of the faith that we love so much. I thank you, Father, that wrong things will not come in and cause our love to grow cold, that we would grow distant, but we would stay with you all the way. Some of those, some, of the, some parts of the trip may be a little rough. Might be some bumps. Might be some things that people have to speak to us that are a little hard for us to take. But it shows our character. As you saw from chapter 3, you're looking for people with great inward character. And we want to be those people. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in developing us, in training us, and setting us on course. 
We are on board with the gospel. We are on board with the faith. We don't ever want to disembark. Thank you for the help you give us in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Any comments? Questions? When, it, the, the perspective is this. When a person has their conscience seared, how do I know it? First off is the testimony of the Holy Spirit, who would tell me they're tell off. Me that they're off. They're That's off. what I needed to clarify yep. because they're not listening. They're not listening now. This is, this is protecting me. This is off. All those things are for me. They're protecting me. For me. This helps me to know I don't receive from this one because the testimony of the Holy Spirit is first and foremost. He will tell you. <clears throat> That's not right. It should down, down the inside of you. Okay. Bear with me. Good, good clarification. I wanted. I was trying when I was going through that. I had to make sure to do that. I didn't know if I did it. So that's good to make sure that that's clear. 